Welcome to Footnotes, the Roar podcast where we explore the stories in and around the McGill Library and Archives. Nothing is off topic. We share stories from our collections that are off the wall, out of the box, off the shelves, from us to you, wherever you get your podcast. We have short pods like this one, called Footnotes, and longer pieces, called Voices from the Footnotes. Look for these on the website. Before we begin, we acknowledge that McGill University is situated on the traditional territory of the Ganyagahaga, a place which has long served as a site of meeting and exchange amongst nations. We recognize and respect the Ganyagahaga as the traditional custodians of the lands and waters on which we meet today. I'm Jacqueline Sundberg, associate producer for the podcast and today's host. We're catching up with Beryl Dickinson-Dash, now rapier, who won McGill's Winter Carnival Queen pageant in 1949. As an undergraduate student, she was the first black woman to win a pageant of the kind at the time. You can hear about her experiences in previous episodes. Today, we're hearing about her experiences after she won and where she went after her time at McGill. You'll also hear from Beryl's son, Bradley Rapier, and our producer, Sheetal Lodia, in this episode as well. When you won the the Carnival Queen, did it allow you to travel to other cities in Canada? Not really. No, I mean, I, I, I had gone to Toronto, but um, no, I didn't. I, well, I, I used to go, to, my father worked on the trains. I went a couple of times on the, I loved, went to Vancouver a couple of times. You know, it was different. You didn't go and stay with people like people, you know, you didn't do those things. And my parents were from the West Indies, so their culture, you know, they kept it their culture. You just didn't do that. Then this, you come home for your own, sit in your own house and have your own meal. You don't just go hanging out. You know, that, that was what it was. And they, they kept to that for quite a while. So, you know, life is quite different now, as, as I'm sure you know. So yeah. you did, though, get to travel. You went on this trip down to West Virginia mm-hmm. after the Carnival Queen. It was, no, not by McGill. It was sponsored by the, by the American folks. They, I stayed with the dean and uh, his family. And uh, they, I, mean, I took a girlfriend with me, my friend Beller. And uh, we were at his house. And I went to uh, the convocation. I was a guest there. And they had a couple of teas for me, and it was very neat. It was very neat. All those people were very appreciative. They were all blacks, uh, Americans. You know, thought it was such a great thing. So they, yeah, they did more. They did more there than Canada. Oh yeah, Canada. It was over. I mean, I know at one time they said it's over already. I mean, when I was going for my mail, they wanted it over. It was taking too long. <laughs> you know, it happened. And of course, Miguel got tired of it afterwards because they said, well, you know, come on, we had the contest, it's, so, it's over now. And they kept, cause they kept calling me to pick up this mail because this America took it up because, you know, it was big news for them uh, and for us as well. So yeah, it went on and went on and went on with the mail and I got mail from everywhere. I got from soldiers from overseas, from 
got everybody. So it it it, it really mushroomed. But it was really a surprise to me. I mean, no, I never thought for a minute. In the first place, I would never have done it. I mean, but, um, but that's how it went. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, America, true to form, the university um, invited me to a convocation. Yeah, different people called me afterwards and wrote their own articles, you know, because it was, well, it was a time, you know, when it was, it was history, definitely, you know. What was the strangest request that you got? Oh, I got proposed to, I mean, with people I don't even know. I mean, (laughs) a guy from Britain, he used to write me regularly. (laughs) He wanted me to marry him. And I didn't even know. I mean, he only owned me from seeing the picture. That's ridiculous. What I loved about those, those, they were so, um, they were so pleasant, the letters, they're like, Dear Beryl, if you would be do me so kind as to allow me to meet you, and it was just so um, it was beautiful. Like these, you know, obviously they don't, you know, what I mean? it's, it's well, so a civil. What's the word I'm looking for? Culture. I don't know what the word is, but just um, yeah, definitely not like now. You know? No, not like no, no, no sliding into the DMs with you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Everything in my life, I find, was a great experience. I mean, I. I charted it down <laughs> as an experience, you know. And then, as I said, I went to Scotland soon after I got married. So um, spent seven years there. So I've, I've lived in a lot of places, yeah. So tell me about moving to Scotland. Did you fly? No, no, no. By boat? Oh, oh. And, and I bet Scotland, there were even fewer black people there than in Montreal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, oh, very few. Yeah. Um, but I found when they got to know you in your little neighborhood, they were pretty friendly. I mean, sometimes they're, some of them were heavy, broke. I couldn't understand them. But um, and then I went to work there. Um, I worked for some accountants. Um, I was the only black again. I had never... I've never had anybody in there like me. I mean, that was an experience. But the guy who, again, I got, I went to, for this job because my husband's books were costing so much money. I said, we have no, we have, we, I got to get a, get a job. So I went to this British rubber company, it was called, and they were hiring. And when I got there, the guy was so rude. He said, oh, you have to take an exam. I said, okay. And so when I went in, the, they were already doing the exam. And he gives me this, these papers and I'm doing, and it was math and math was my subject. I thought, oh, I fool you. And he came and got my paper first. I was there late and he came and got my first. Anyway, he left and went outside to make a phone call. And it turned out when they took me up to this big office, and I'll never forget this guy, Alec Robertson. And he said to me, do you think they're prejudiced here? Well, I said, I don't know, but I don't, I don't think that personnel guy likes me, that's for sure. So he said, well, I want you to know, he just called me, tell me, I have a girl here, she aced the exam, you know, but she's colored, you know. And I said to him, what color is she, pink? And so he, he was my mentor. He would say to me, if anybody makes you feel uncomfortable, you just let me know. And 
And it was, it was hard in the beginning. I know a lot didn't like me there because I was the only black person there with like a hundred, you know, all kind of accountants, all kind of people working there. And I did a lot of math work, which I loved, but um, yeah, no, they didn't see many, no, many. But they're, they're, they're little, um, you know, the British or, or I should say England, more England, it's, really more proper than Scotland. Scotland has a lot of the, their own traditions, but when you go to, when you go to England, I mean, really, really proper, you know, the afternoon tea and this and that, and you dress for every occasion and all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was fine. It was fine. <clears throat> I mean, I, it, it was hard living in Scotland. They were still in ration books when I went there in 1950. They still had ration books. Yeah. Till night. And because I said to one guy, I thought you guys were on the war. He said, oh, <laughs> yeah, but we still have ration books. Yeah, they had ration books in 1953. Yeah. But, but that was another experience. It was, uh, I was there for seven years. Oh, I only traveled by boat. When Beryl was nine years old, she sailed to Trinidad with her younger brother, who was seven at the time. They went to visit their grandparents. When we were coming back, because 1939, the beginning of the war, and oh, my brother and I, well, he was scared. I mean, I was a little, but I had to be a little big sister. We slept with our, uh, the life jackets, the portholes were all blacked out because it was the beginning of the war. They were, they were bombing the ships in those days, 1939. So that was really interesting. Yeah, I lived through a lot. And I'm still here. <laughs> well, that's why we want to learn from you. Look to the show notes on our website for additional material and to explore the projects that the Roar team has been working on. Our title song called Happy Sandbox was composed by Mativ and sourced from freesound.org. You can find all the credits in our show notes. Thank you to Professor Natalie Cook, director of this project at Team Roar, and to Jacqueline Sundberg, associate producer. I'm Sheetha Lodio. Thanks for listening.